Spot Club, bringing innovators together. Hi, Ara. It's so wonderful to have you on today at the Spot Club Live. You know, I just found you on LinkedIn only like a few months ago, and we've been going back and forth trying to organize this. But what made me really want to bring you on to the podcast and share your story and what you're working on to our viewers at Spot Club is the fact that I believe language and software and those two spaces are going to be increasingly merging and there's so much innovation going around it. So Fluent is a company that you're the co-founder of working on helping people learn languages seamlessly and organically online. And I think the first thing that our viewers are really interested to hear about is how did you really start Fluent and what made you want to go into the space of solving language learning? Awesome. Well, thank you too for having me here. Really, really appreciate it. It's it's awesome to be on with two fellow Armenians as well. And uh, and I like to start these things off because I've done a couple Armenian interviews by saying we're gonna have an Armenian eventually. It's on the roadmap. <laughs> we get asked for it all the freaking time. We're gonna have Armenians. So we're gonna represent the homeland. We'll have Armenian fluent one day. <laughs> but in terms of like in terms of what fluent is, is I think you really nailed it on the head there. It's a way to bring language learning into your life. So for folks that don't know, all you have to do is go into our website, fluent.co, you hit a button, you install our Chrome extension. And what happens is immediately as you're going through your life, you're browsing Reddit, you're browsing Facebook, you're reading an article on Bloomberg. We're replacing a couple of the words in the English sentence that you see with French, with Spanish, with Italian in a few days we're releasing and with any other language in the future. So what that means is that you get to learn languages contextually, right? So you don't have to be in a classroom or taking an app where you have to divert your focus and all you do is sit down and memorize vocabulary words through silly sentences, right? That's not how people learn in nature or through growing up with their parents. The way we naturally learn is, you know, we repeat some form of language that we hear from folks. We get it wrong, right? The people we're speaking to correct us and then we self-correct. And you say, well, how about grammar? Well, do you know any grammar rules by name? Right? Do you know what an adverb is um, on, on every single level? Do you know what a proposition is? Like most folks don't know the labels, the grammar rules. They just speak. And then we humans are really damn good at pattern matching, right? So you pattern match certain grammar rules together, right? You're like, oh, well, the past tense of stuff in English usually is ED, you know, like I ate um, is an exception there. Okay, now I've learned the exception, right? Now everything is ED, the past tense of eating is I ate. Okay, cool. Now I know that. And through time and through just constant iteration and being immersed in the language you learn, that's very different than how we currently learn languages through our apps and through, you know, lectures and stuff like that. So we wanted to bring how people naturally learn the way they naturally learn when they go to a new country and they have to speak the language or when they're growing up and their parents are teaching them. Right. We want to bring that method, which is called immersion. We want to bring that method to everybody. Right. So our goal with Fluent is to bring this really natural, seamless way of learning to everybody around us. Um, we like to think of it like Audible, right? People, you know, in the past didn't have as much time to read books. Not as many people read books, right? But then Audible comes along. It's like, hey, while you're driving the car on your way to work in the morning or while you're commuting uh, back and you're at the gym and you're working out, why don't you take some of that spare time you have and listen to a book instead of reading? Now it's part of your life, right? Now you're more likely to read books more often. You're likely to, you know, be immersed in that world of reading more often. And, and you know, people learn better. And it makes use of their time that they didn't have previously. 
So we want to do the same thing. People have busy schedules. Not everyone has time to open up, you know, an app 15 minutes a day and, you know, be dedicated to that every single day for months on end, right? Most language learners fail in that pursuit. It's about 90% of people right now don't actually get to the point of fluency. We're like, how about if we just take people's normal time, right? The time they already have, they're already doing something. They're talking with their friends online. They're reading articles. Let's put language learning to there. And let's do it in a way where people are more likely to remember because it's immersive. It's the way they naturally learn. I'm rambling here, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to paint the picture of like, you know, this is a way, a method that people are already using. We're not geniuses here, right? We're not bringing something incredibly new to the world where we have to train everyone this new method of language learning. No, people have already been doing this for, you know, since the birth of civilization. We just want to bring in an accessible format on the web where a lot of people spend their time. Yeah, you, you you put that together very fluently, I guess. <laughs> and uh, Thank so, you, sir. <laughs> I mean, so what's the vision here for Fluent? Five years down the line, what do you hope to have changed or accomplished? And ultimately, where is your uniqueness coming in uh, from other applications that help people learn languages? Are you just trying to just make a better experience? And that's simply it. You're focusing on that. And also, do you imagine Fluent ever going to an, another problem space or expanding from what it is uh, five years down the line? I'm curious if you have a longer term vision. So the long term vision for us is to get really good at language learning, right? And you're sitting here and a lot of folks are thinking, well, how big is the language learning space? And the, the answer is, well, it's fucking massive. <laughs> Duolingo is uh, about to go public, right? They're about to become a public company. So they release the stats, they release some information to potential investors. And on the very first pages of their you know, public document, it goes, you know, there's approximately 1.8 billion people learning a secondary language in the world. So there's 1.8 billion people out there looking to learn language number two. And second language acquisition right now is not very good. That space, that problem set of learning your second language or your third or your fourth, but a language that's not your primarily one you learned at birth, that is a wide open problem space that nobody has solved. The market is completely fragmented. Some people like to use Duolingo and then brush that up with speaking with their grandparents. Some people like to use Rosetta Stone. Maybe they're 60, like they use Rosetta Stone. You know, some people like to, you know, go to a class in university. Something, you know, everyone has their different methods and none of them really work that amazing. Because like I said earlier, the, the rate at which people learn a language to fluency right now, a study was done um, a couple of years ago where they found that 90% of people that start don't actually reach fluency. Right. And, and you can think about that in terms of anecdotes, like like think in your mind all the times you are one of your friends that said, hey, I want to learn French. I want to learn Spanish. I want to learn X, Y, Z. How many of the people do you know that wanted to do that actually succeeded? Right. The success rate is a lot higher in other things like people started baking in the pandemic and people got pretty good at making sourdough bread. You know, that's not that hard. But learning a language, the key difference there is that the time frame is very long to getting good at speaking a language. And that requires building a habit, right? So we want to become the best way to form a language learning habit, right? Because once you get into the habit of something, it becomes pretty damn easy to get like decently good at it. Once you get to the point where you're going to the gym three times a week, right? And now you're looking forward to going to the gym because you're seeing progress. And every night, the same time, 7 p.m., you go to the gym. So it just becomes like a mental thing. Oh, 7 p.m. Okay, got to go to the gym, right? Once you build that habit, you start seeing progress, which motivates you to build the habit even further, which motivates you because you see more progress. It's a beautiful flywheel, right? 
But the flywheel in language learning right now is like, I download an app. I feel good for day one. Day two, my mom calls me for dinner. So I missed a little doing note, like the doing, excuse me, boys, the Duolingo notification. <laughs> I say, okay, whatever, I'll do it at night. At nighttime, my girlfriend calls me. She wants to talk. So I missed the notification again. Day two, I forget the app is even there. And day three, I delete it. That flywheel, right? That flywheel is how people are currently exposed to language learning. And that's not very good. So it's a wide open problem space. And I know that some of the folks in this space right now are moving on to other things. Like Duolingo is moving on. They want to teach math. They want to teach people how to read. They want to move on to literacy. But man, we look at the problem space and we're like, holy fuck, 100 people want to learn a language and 90 of them don't get there. This is clearly unsolved. So for the next like decade, if it takes us that long, we want to be concentrating on getting people to learn a language, building that habit so it doesn't become painful anymore, and getting people to a point of fluency as quickly and as effortlessly as possible. That's our goal here. Um, I know what you're going to ask, Ness. You're like, Ara, how the hell do you plan to do that, right? All these other guys are doing that. Duolingo is a $3 billion company. That was their goal. What makes you so special, right? Who the hell are you? I think what makes us special is that we have found a way that people like to learn, right? We've validated it. 10,000 people are using this method right now. And every day people come to us and tell us, holy shit, I love this method of learning. I actually remember the words I learned. We want to take that and we want to go to like the moon with it. <laughs> we want to take this method and make it as, as immersive as possible. So what does that mean? That means doing things like, you know, like integrating more time of your day on Fluent. Right now it's like articles, but how about if we integrate with like the Netflix shows that you're watching, right? The songs that you listen to on Spotify, right? How about if Aden, you listened to, like you learned enough uh, words in French or in Spanish on Fluent that next time you go to Spotify, we've created a playlist for you that says Aden's playlist. These are Spanish songs where Aden will be able to listen to at least 80% of the word and understand them because of the stuff he's learned on Fluent. And then you start listening to that stuff and you bop along, right? And then a, a paragraph comes up and you're like, wait, shit, I don't know that paragraph. That's fine. You know the rest of the paragraph. So you, through the context of what the guy's singing about, what the girl's singing about, you're able to, you know, deduce the words that you don't know. Now you can get to 100% next time you listen. All in all, our focus is becoming taking all of your digital time you spend on your web and putting a language learning like layer on top of all of that. Every language, every browser, web and mobile, and every different type of experience you have, whether that's typing things out to your friends, to your family, right? We want to make sure that you're getting practice typing, whether that's speaking, whether that's listening, all of the different things you're doing on the web, we want to add a language learning kind of layer on top of all of that. It's very ambitious to go to all of those industries. Um, so, so how do you see yourself approaching that and actually being able to implement that because to do Netflix, to do Spotify, you need to integrate with those companies in some way. And also how far down the line is that? Honestly, I, I think we can get to the point where we're adding a new experience on top of the base fluent experience sometime like later this fall or, or late summer, right? So one, one thing that we're focusing on right now is that you learn all these words with fluent, but you don't really have a great way to practice them out right now, right? The flow for anybody that's curious listening is, you know, you see all of these words, 
right? And we're getting better at showing you words that are tailored to your difficulty level and stuff. You know, we still have a long way to go with that, but we're getting better at like understanding what words you're probably going to be the most interested in and what's most like created to your difficulty level, right? So you see these words pop up, you discover them. And then when you browse over the word, um, you're going to start learning that word. So that means it goes through a little progression system. First time you see it, it's just a hover. Next time you see it, maybe it's a multiple choice test. And to end the word off, you have to actually go ahead and type the word in. You know, that at the end of that stage, it takes a couple of days, you've completed the word. And we'll take that word and we'll put it into like a spaced repetition system for you. So every now and then you see the word come back up so you never really truly forget it. But, you know, taking that word, we want to make sure that you have more ways to touch it because the more ways you play with the word and the more ways you have kind of surrounding context to that word, the better it sticks in your mind. So how about if throughout that progression cycle of learning the word, maybe there's a way you could say it back. So we use your laptop's microphone to hear you say the word back, analyze the, the, that, you know, frequency of your voice with AI and it say, oh, damn, you were pretty close to what we were expecting. You can actually say this word properly, right? Or maybe we get you to use the word. Maybe next time you're typing with your friend, we get you to use the word in a sentence, right? And right before you send the message to your friend, we translate it back to English. So you can practice with your friends that don't even speak the language. These are some of the things that we're thinking about. And these are, th these are things that, you know, like sound fairly ambitious, but we have a growing team, right? We have a lot of energy. And we have a lot of users that are counting on us to learn the language. So I think we're going to work as quickly as possible and get some really exciting stuff out this year for them. So here at Spot Club, we like to we like to really think about what's the next step? What's the future? And something that I really have thought about and gave a lot of thought of, it's interesting that when you're thinking about language and software, you're thinking about how to teach people language, how to teach people languages utilizing software. When I often think about language and software, the first thing that comes to my brain is how do you make language irrelevant because of software? And, and I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the fact that we may live in a future one day where almost autonomously languages are translated in our brain without even us realizing through technology like Neuralink, or maybe one day uh, through other technologies, uh, we'll, whatever the next innovation will be, language may become one day really not important in, in, in learning new ones where we can just translate languages without even knowing we're translating them. And I'm curious what you think about those kind of technologies and where you think the future is in language learning. Yeah, that's a, that, dude, that's a great question. I get that often. And I like thinking about it because, you know, you're expecting me to go ahead and say, oh, language will always be relevant, right? Like, and 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 honestly, like, I'm, I'm not one of those people just because I have a leg in the force. I'm going to tell you something that I don't actually believe. They'll be like, oh, pedal my product. I I actually do think there, there's a fairly good chance in the future we'll get to a space where people will have to learn less and less language, right? Less and less secondary or third languages to accomplish some of their goals, right? The thing that comes to your mind immediately is business, right? Learning language for business one day will be automated because one day we'll have AirPods in our ears that are good enough with low enough latency to pick up on what the other person is saying, translate it naturally in our ears, right? And be able to translate our voice back to the other person through their AirPods, right? And we should have a business conversation with very low latency, just like me and you are doing right now, but you'll be speaking Russian and I'll be speaking French and we'll understand each other perfectly. But man, that day is not going to come for a very, very long time, right? And I see this as an extremely, extremely optimistic person. Sometimes our timelines in tech can get too optimistic, 
right? Elon Musk has been saying we're going to have self-driving cars for the past, what, five years now? And taking customer deposits for that for the past five years now, right? This shit is harder and like more difficult and more complex than it sounds. Apple has one of the world's largest like audio libraries of like phrases spoken to Siri, that audio, that audio that, you know, like Apple ML engineers can go ahead and train their models on. Like just trillions, trillions of snippets of voice from like a decade of Siri. And still I use Siri personally on a daily basis and it's wrong every single sentence. Right, <laughs> it, it gets a lot of it right, but it gets a lot of it wrong. And I still have to go in and correct it. So even this piece of technology, that's brilliant, right? In our phones, we actually even have like machine learning chips. So it's dedicated chips to run some of this stuff and trillions and trillions of pieces of data to train the models on. And we're still very, very hard, like far away. Just like uh, speaking honestly, the language space and machines to understand language is such a difficult thing right? It's so difficult that it's going to take some time for machines to replace some functions of language for us, right? But I don't know, I'll tell you one thing that will never go away is beauty, right? And learning language for a lot of folks is beauty. It's being able to reconnect with their parents that spoke that language. It's being able to reconnect with their culture and their heritage. It's being able to connect with a challenge, right? A lot of folks, they want to be able to learn a language because it's a challenge to them, just like running a marathon is or learning how to bake really good cake is, right? Just because, you know, the machine can bake much better cake than I can doesn't mean I'm ever going to stop baking the cake, right? And so you say, okay, maybe that narrows your market. Hey, maybe it does. Maybe we go from 1.8 billion people to 1 billion people learning a language. That still sounds like a pretty big market <laughs> to me. <laughs> So I think for the next 10 years, we will have more than enough customers to make Fluent into a massive company. I think we'll have more than enough pain for us to go in and solve some of those problems. And in the future, maybe 50, 60, 100 years down the line, when, you know, like maybe some of the problems are solved, we'll have enough resources to solve new problems, right? We'll, we'll, we'll expand and, and we'll go from there. There'll always be something interesting uh, that's tangentially related to Fluent that we can kind of, you know, go into in case some of these problems become solved. And I'll tell you, man, I'll be one of the happiest people in the world if, if we can solve these problems. Because, you know, you move on to the next ones. So you're ultimately a verdict. I guess I can kind of explain uh, Fluent as a company that's guided towards vertical SaaS and language. They don't care <laughs> in the future what that involves, but you're really focused around ensuring that you're going to be the best provider to make sure people are fluent in their next language. So, and, and whatever means that may take yes, you to, you're willing to achieve them to ensure that that's what you accomplish for your customers. So, Hey, maybe one day everyone has Neuralink in their brains and Fluent is just like a DLC package and you just pay us $20 and we just send Elon Musk a file of French, <laughs> right? And we just, he acquires us, right? And we're just a DLC package. Maybe, maybe that's it. And you know what? Fair, that is know? amazing you mentioned Neuralink. Uh, I guess uh, our, our brains went to similar places. I was just about to mention the fact that, like, what do you think about the future of uh, like symbiotic, like electronic slash human living and like Neuralink and uh, other technologies that are developing in the space? Ultimately, like maybe it doesn't even have to be an AirPod. Maybe one day our uh, auditory neurons are going to be inhibited and uh, then new, sensor, new senses are going to be sent by Neuralink that... Uh, 
translate the language autonomously and like we never even know that like this person is speaking a different language we just hear a different <laughs> language like auto automatically and then uh and then we speak a language and the other person automatically hears something else and it's it's really interesting to see how that may happen i mean the implications are huge of, of yeah. that kind of technology and i think it's really interesting you mentioned the beauty of language ethan and i were just lightly debating right before we got on the call about uh, how we think culture one day may be irrelevant and uh we're armenian and we're really proud about our culture just yeah culture me, yeah yeah definitely. let me t let me tell you about why yeah <laughs> so it's interesting <laughs> to talk about it about language so like i think that like we're at such a space where social media is growing so rapidly and the world is becoming so interconnected even today we're armenian and we're really proud of that fact and we're really attached to our armenian culture i mean i went to an armenian high school and i've been to armenia a lot and I mean, even when I go to Armenia, I have cousins who have immigrated there from uh, Syria. And when I'm there, I when I interact with them, it's really interesting to see how much of American culture they've adopted and how much actually is not foreign to them from how they dress, what how they talk to their friends, what they do. And really, their lives are so similar to the music they listen to and what they dance to. So uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I feel that one day we may get to this point where, hey, like language and culture may actually not matter. And maybe countries won't too. I'm not saying in 10 years, but 100, 200 <laughs> years down the line as social media and interconnection of hum humans grow and, and the internet grows because we're still only at the beginning, in my opinion, of technology. It's, it's, it's insane how interconnected humans are becoming. And I think they are overlooking the things that used to separate them, which was country, culture, language. And... I don't know what your opinion we is. We will always find new lines to <laughs> separate us and to pull us together. Because look, I, fundamentally at our core, right? Like if you're talking about a different form of humanity, maybe. But fundamentally, if you're talking about the model of a human as we know it, right? We have evolutionary purposes to creating groups, right? And some of that stuff is inbuilt into us for like with hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. So those emotional and 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 like and neurological signals are not going away anytime soon so even if you abolished every single country on earth it wouldn't matter we would find new ways of creating different kinds of groups and tribes across different kinds of kinds of like you know like maybe ethnic um groupings or interest groupings it doesn't matter so if you think of culture as like armenian culture or french culture or something yeah maybe that goes away one day maybe it becomes so like interconnected that like there is no such thing as armenian culture because maybe borderlines are shifting so much it's a new yeah. word right but the culture will just adapt to that for example the culture on league of legends is vastly different than the culture on fortnite <laughs> those are two games that we just pulled out of our ass like a decade ago or two decades ago or a couple of years ago and now there's already a new culture that's formed around those games and they're different to each other Culture just simply like means like what are the rules? What are the informal rules of a people operating in a group, right? Like our laws are our formal group rules. Culture is the informal rules. When me and Aaron sit down at a table and we're Armenian means we have to fight over who pays the bill. <laughs> That's the informal rule of our Armenian culture, right? And it's one of the things that we celebrate because it's fun. It's interesting, right? Um, if I'm Canadian and you're Canadian, you come to my backyard, we're going to do a backyard barbecue, right? We're going to do a backyard barbie. You better get ready for some, you know, like great hot dogs and smokies and we're going to chill. I'm going to start talking about hockey, right? That's part of the culture. But I agree with you. I think culture will change. I think the lines um, of which we kind of view ourselves in groups and the things we talk about and the things that we kind of associate each other with will change. 
But the fundamental nature of people coming together in a group and identifying around a certain topic or interest or aesthetic purpose, I, I don't think that'll ever change as long as we're talking about the current form uh, of humanity. Maybe humanity 2.0 when we're all rational beings and our minds are uploaded to Jeff Bezos' <laughs> AWS. Maybe that's well, different. First of all, <laughs> go Habs. But second of all... <laughs> Maybe yeah, next, next year. year. <laughs> second of all, I think, I think what it comes down to is our, our culture will adapt and we will take globalization furthest to the point where we have, we have some global culture and in different regions, we'll have like more specialized versions of that culture. We'll always have religious differences, ethnic differences. And I, I do see what you're saying about like the borders will change and culture will adapt. But the, the question that is still on my mind is, will we see it as a cultural loss when that culture evolves? Of course, just as people like, like, you know, felt the loss when horses went away and we switched over to cars. Yeah, we, we will always have an aversion for things changing and then we'll feel nostalgia about it and then we'll move on, you know, like things change, things are adaptable. That, that culture will ultimately be in our museums and we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing it in uh, different languages. Uh. And, 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 and we'll feel nostalgic about it and we'll bring it back in certain times. Like if we're talking about Armenian culture, for example, we have a very um, like traditional folk dancing culture, right? That went away for the most part. Most part, don't most people don't dress in Armenian like standard folk dress, red head to toe, and, and you know start doing the dapke and uh, and adashadi across a, a bonfire on most days. But some days we do. Some days we we feel nostalgic about it, and we bring people together, and we drink a lot of arak, and we start dancing. You know, so <laughs> three hundred years from now, saying things like "lol" is going to be the new Shakespeare, basically. <laughs> Yeah, dude, most likely, most likely. <laughs> Actually, you know, almost certainly. Thank you so much uh, for coming in on a Spot Club Live, and uh, we're glad to have you in the Spot Club community. If you loved that episode about language and software, follow us at Spot Club Live on any social and DM us so we can learn more about who is in our community and their backgrounds. If you're trying to learn a new language, check out Fluent at fluent.co. Club, bringing innovators together.